Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, July 10th, 2022, is entitled An Out-of-the-Way Neighborhood. It's a reflection on a reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Friends, our scripture reading today comes from the New Testament, from the Gospels, from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Let's listen for a living word from God for us in these words from Luke today. An expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The scholar answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the scholar asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and took off, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, another religious leader, when he came to the place and saw the man, he too passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw the man, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds treating them with oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him, and when I come back this way, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The scholar said, the one who showed him compassion. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Beloved, God is still speaking to the world and to us. May our hearts be open to listen and to respond. Amen. For all the years that I've been dealing with this most popular parable of the Good Samaritan. It's right up there alongside the prodigal son on the Sunday school hit parade. Despite all of these years, I'm ashamed to say I have never actually considered this story 
from the point of view of the Samaritan. I mean, I've understood all along that Jesus is holding up the Samaritan as the role model for neighborly love outlined in the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus held up the Samaritan as the paragon of this virtue, as unlikely and unloved as he would have been by Jesus's first audience of first century Jews, for whom the Samaritans were quite literally anathema, beyond the pale, enemies of God and their enemies. But still, I have never actually allowed myself to inhabit the Samaritan's perspective in the story. He has remained all these years for me a literary device and not a real person. I never asked what it must have been like to be the hated one deep in enemy territory along the Jericho Road and to come across one of those enemies broken and bleeding, desperately in need along the roadside. I never asked what went through the Samaritan's head as he contemplated the scene before him and his options. I never asked what I would do if I found myself in the same position, face to face with someone whom I know hates me, lies about me, wishes me ill and does me worse, works to demonize me and dismantle my rights and those of people I love, who votes for people committed to doing more of the same. Someone dedicated to a view of the world that I find not just distasteful, but disgusting and dangerous for people and for the planet. And let's put it all out on the table. Someone I hate in return. I never asked that because I never felt I had to. I felt I was better than that. I was above all that, which I was, but not in the way I thought I was. I was above all of that because my proximity to privilege protected me, if not from all the actual harm, then at least from having to see more of it firsthand, up close, and personal. They weren't my problems because they weren't happening to me or in my neighborhood, which is a pretty good definition of how privilege works to separate us from suffering and from people who are suffering. Sure, I've hit some speed bumps along the road, but my life is not so bad. Who do I have to hate? I need to confess that lately my perspective has begun to change on that. My life is still pretty good, preternaturally good, in fact, thanks to the privilege I was talking about. In my case, as a well-off, relatively healthy, overeducated white man living in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. But as my understanding of what other people go through has deepened, And my sense of connection with them, even with the very earth under my feet, has deepened. So has my outrage. As the saying goes, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Conversely, 
If you are delighted with the way things are going on so many fronts, pick a front, any front. If you're one of the people pushing things in this, to me, downward direction and cheering as they go, as suffering increases for so, so many, well, you are my enemy. And I hate you. I know I'm not supposed to say that. That we are not supposed to say that. We're not supposed to feel that. But if we can't be real in church, where can we? So what will I do when, like the Samaritan, I see my enemy suffering? Well, I know what Jesus would say that we are called to love God and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And that neighbors aren't determined by proximity, either physical or social or theological or proximity. It's not about who I like or who I am like. That's too easy. And the gospel is anything but easy. Otherwise, we'd all be doing it. No, as Jesus says earlier in Luke's gospel, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Everybody loves those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Everybody does that. Rather, love your enemies. Do good to them. Give to them what they need without expecting anything in return. So according to Jesus, anyone in need is my neighbor. And the neighborly thing to do is to love everyone, even our enemies. But easier said than done. It's one thing to talk about loving our enemies, to preach about loving our enemies, and another thing entirely to go ahead and do it. So here is the case study in chapter 10 of Luke's gospel already way, way out of his comfort zone, traveling through enemy territory, the Samaritan stares down at the bloody upturned face of his sworn enemy, the enemy of his people, whose own neighbors have passed by on the other side already and left him for dead. Why shouldn't the Samaritan do the same? Why should he go out of his way to be this man's neighbor, to show him compassion, to load him on the back of his own donkey, use his own supplies to tend his wounds, spend his own money to ensure his welfare? Why should I? Because Jesus said so? And because I call myself a Christian, even in my case, a professional Christian. Because Jesus tangled up love of God, love of self and love of other, every other. So inextricably, not just with his words, but in his way that it's hard to see where one leaves off and the others begin. Because Dorothy Day, 20th century activist, anarchist, saint, and holy gadfly, couldn't leave well enough alone 
but actually had to go and write down these words for me to read one day. I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. Wow. Dang, Dorothy. Damn it, Jesus. Because, of course, Jesus leads by example. Jesus is the man who falls into the hands of evildoers on his journey through life. He is betrayed, beaten, tortured, and tried, and left for dead along the roadside, nailed to a cross. And even from that painful point of view, Jesus manages to look down at his enemies, those who have actively set themselves in opposition, not just to his policies, but to his person. And somehow he loves them. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Really? In my anxiety over that scene from the cross and its implications for my life, my mind escapes into a favorite lyric from a song by country artist Lyle Lovett. Who keeps on trusting you when you've been cheating and spending your nights on the town? And who keeps on saying he still wants you when you're through running around? And who keeps on loving you when you've been lying, saying things that aren't what they seem? God does, but I don't. God will, but I won't. And that's the difference between God and me. It's not the only difference, of course, but it is a big one. If I'm only going to follow Jesus over easy ground, if I'm going to reserve my good neighborhood for folks in my own immediate neighborhood, folks I already know and love, as the man says, what credit is that to me? If I believe the right things and say the right things and read the right news, watch the right shows, go to the right rallies and the right churches, if I vote for the right candidates, if I preach all day long about justice, peace, and compassion, God is love. And then don't actually go on to show love to those in need, no matter who they are, no matter where they are on life's journey. Well, as the Apostle Paul put it in the famous passage from 1 Corinthians 13, I am nothing but a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. And the world is already a far too noisy place to want any more of that. So will I follow Jesus out of my comfort zone, out of the way, into a more out-of-the-way kind of neighborhood and love my enemies? like to think I would. I'd certainly like to be able to tell you I would, you know, professional Christian and all. But these days, honestly, I don't know. It's days like these, conflicts like these, enemies like these that put my faith to the test. Especially because, well, hurt me And that's one thing, but hurt those I love, and that's something else entirely. 
And thanks to Jesus, I am learning to love so many more and more kinds of people than I ever imagined possible. And my neighborhood is still growing. Thanks be to God. Still. I feel like the Samaritan was a better person than I am. But of course, he was a fictional character. Good for him. I know Jesus was, but then he is our savior. Good for us. And I know what Jesus would have me do. But I just don't know if I can love my enemies the way Jesus asks, the way he did. And truth be told, I'm not even really sure I want to. And that scares me. I don't know what I would do if I came upon one of them lying by the roadside, in trouble and in need. What I will do, because the question is feeling less hypothetical by the day. So day by day, I pray. I pray that Wherever, whenever the rubber meets the Jericho road for me, I will be able to do what I've spent my life talking about. That I'll be able to get out of my head and out of my own way and let Jesus help me do what I clearly can't do alone. Help me to be a better neighbor and to build a better, bigger neighborhood, a neighborhood as wholly unfamiliar to me here and now as the actual kingdom of God on earth, which is the point after all. I thank God for the clear-eyed, encouraging words of Black author, activist, and philosopher James Baldwin who, when facing his own challenges to love in an unjust world, said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. So that's why I'm here. Sunday after Sunday, yes, professional Christian, I know, but still. I'm here to face the challenge of radical love to face my fears, to face the very real possibility that I won't be able to follow through, to practice what I preach. The actual God's honest gospel of Jesus Christ is not easy. But then who needs an easy gospel? Our world isn't easy and we don't need easy answers. Anybody who says differently is trying to sell you something. Being a good neighbor is not easy. It takes practice. And for us, church is the practice. Love is the point. Love is the decision point. And so, beloved, If you have heard the word of God preached here today, remember to give all honor and glory to our one God, creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen.